Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. She's a fashion blogger, model, and entrepreneur. She's amazing. The latest tips on fashion, beauty, wellness, travel, and her lifestyle. And now, here's the founder and creator of Not Basic Blonde, Olasha. Hi loves, welcome back to another episode of Not Basic Blonde podcast. Today I have a very interesting episode and my guest will tell you how to make money, honey. So my guest today is J.U. and he went from a sweatshop baby to self-made millionaire. And in this episode, we'll be talking about how to invest like rich. Also, we'll be talking about if it makes more sense to go to college or start your own brand and how do you overcome losses in your career or in your investments and how do you deal with it? How can you invest like rich people? How important is it to accept the risk while investing? How can we keep our emotions from clouding our judgment while investing in anything and so much more. My guest, J.U., was honored in 2021 as one of the outstanding 50 Asian Americans in business and considered one of the fastest growing financial influencers around the world. He's a private investor in multitude of companies and advised a magnitude of private and public company executives with corporate advisory services such as capital funding, mergers and acquisitions, structured financing, IPO analysis, commodities trading, and other business development services geared at taking these companies to the next level. He's self-taught and private self-investor. His relentless passion for international business has helped him develop key strategic and valuable relationships throughout the world so before we dive in don't forget to subscribe rate and review not basic blonde podcast on apple podcasts hi jay welcome to not basic blonde podcast how are you today great thanks for having me yeah thank you so much for being my guest and no problem you started from scratch to become a multimillionaire 
what role do your beginnings play in your everyday decisions now? I think the main characteristic uh, for a person who's come from nothing is just the grit and hard work. So if you, you know, to get there, to become, I guess, or, or to reach your goals, you have to actually, uh, you, you know, have that built into you, which is hard work. You need to be studious. Um, the funny thing is I was never a book smart person. I was always just, you know, I wanted to make money. And, and obviously everybody knows school doesn't teach you how to make money. So in the end, I wanted to always get my hands dirty to, to really get um, on the street or, or to, to get jobs, to, to make money, essentially. And um, so I think the, the, the most important thing that plays from, from the beginnings to now is just hard work. So I work even harder now because I've been there. I've, I've had nothing. And now that I have something, I'm going to even work harder to build it even even to a greater success. And that's incredible. Were you born in U.S. or you came here when you were little? Yeah, I was actually born on a wooden table in a farm in China. So I, I came here when I was one years old. So essentially, I'm from here. Like, I don't remember China or the farm at all. My parents immigrated here when I was one. So essentially, I'm a native New Yorker. That's amazing. What helped you the most? In which area did you actually grow your wealth? Was it crypto or real estate? Mm -hmm. How did it happen? Yeah. No, I'm not in crypto and I'm not in real estate. But uh, what what helped me kind of figure out my way was just uh, Wall Street. I used to work at a bank and I used to see these big trades and I used to see how these big companies were making money and and it fascinated me even though I worked for Wall Street I, I didn't know anything about it I didn't know how to build public companies I didn't know how to invest I just sat behind a desk making money so I think the biggest thing for me was to learning the real Wall Street right learning how companies are built pre-IPO like Snapchat or or um, Facebook or Twitter, how they're built pre-IPO and then how they actually uh, go IPO. And then the exit strategy would be obviously for investors to make um, money on that, on that exit. Uh, that's why there's a lot of Silicon Valley firms that they come in and they invest all this venture capital money into these hot deals that eventually one day they think it's going to be a great public company. So I, so my wealth and my knowledge is built around capital markets, which is, which is essentially Wall Street, but also the venture capital and private equity that is built around that, that leads up to that too. So I love to build companies, I like to scale them and then ultimately, you know, build them for Wall Street one day. Well, that's very fascinating. And how did you get into this? How did you start? What was your motivation? Like what inspired you? Uh, what inspired me was just the whole meltdown in 2008. All the big banks were, uh, were, were getting destroyed and, and all these stocks and everything were so cheap. And I saw these companies uh, rise from the ashes. And that's what kind of triggered it. It's, it's just how these companies rebounded. And um, 
I was able to invest in a bunch of them. And from there, I just saw that, look, in order to build wealth, you have to put your time into it. You actually have to spend years and years growing these companies. You've got to travel for them. You've got to write your own checks. You have to um, bring in the right people, network, and you have to really understand each of these uh, businesses in there and how, how to actually scale them. So that's the key thing here is, is, um, is scaling companies. Uh, and that's how I learned. It's just writing checks from the beginning and investing in these companies early on. Hmm, very interesting. And you also have companies of your own. Which companies do you have? Well, I have my main company, which is a private equity venture fund that it's, it's pretty much my own personal wealth that I come in and I invest into different sectors that I think will be red hot for the next um, you know, five to 10 years. So I try to be a visionary where I think this market is going a certain way. Uh, like, for example, I have a, um, a new startup that, that is doing extremely well. It's called Fluber, which is kind of, you know, the same business model of these ride sharing or on demand, um, on demand on, on your app where you can actually book a private jet or, or go private travel through an app. So the, the, my thesis there was, and, you know, people don't want to fly with 300 people on a commercial airline. If they are able to, at a good price, get into private and travel through private, and which is a less hassle with the TSA, um, then there's a market there. And, and we're creating that kind of technology for it where people are accessible to this private travel. So I, that's my thesis for that. And that's how I invest. I invest where I think the next five to 10 years is going to be a hot sector. So that's one of my latest investments and, and one of the companies I'm growing. That's a very interesting idea and concept behind it. And I know since you're in this industry, many people think that flying private is very expen- like expensive and it's mm-hmm. impossible. But I know there are also, like you explain apps and other things that it's pretty, it makes sense to sometimes even fly private. What an average price like to go private, I mean, to take a trip from private jet from like main to main cities? Um, it, it varies. It varies on obviously the, the actual jet. There's different, you know, sizes. There's light jets, mid-tier, and then heavy. The heavy ones are usually like the G4s uh, that, that, you know, are the luxurious ones that have, you know, 10 to, to 12 seats. Um, and then there's the mid-tiers, which is like the Challengers, where they have about eight seats. Uh, and then the light jets are usually about six seats. So it depends. So if you're going from, let's say, New York to Miami, you tend to probably want to fly in a mid to heavy just because you get there at a good time. Now, if you fly on a light jet, which you can, which is cheaper, it could be, let's just say, the price of a light could be between fifteen to 20000 US and then twenty to about you know, 28,000 could be a mid-tier. And then the heavy jets sometimes could be 25,000 or 50,000, just depending on the level of jet you want and, and the model and, 
and how like pimped out it is essentially. But, you know, it's just timing wise for people, right? It's just, if, if you want to get there in two and a half hours versus on the lighter jet, it might take you three and a half, you know, or, or, or a little less than four hours. So it's just depending on the timing you want to go. And obviously we're lighter jets, uh, you know, you might feel a bit more uh, turbulence and some people hate that, right? They just get scared. Uh, but, you know, once you're up in the air, it's, it's, it depends on, on the flow of the wind, but it, it, it could be really rough and turbulent or it could just be calm and smooth. It just all depends on the weather. I'm always afraid of lighter jets. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Lighter jets are, you know, you know, look, it's the way we're programmed. We're used to, we used to go on these huge commercial airlines that have like three, you know, the jumbo ones, right. Uh, that have, you, you know, hundreds of seats. So it feels heavy, you feel sturdy. Um, but when you're on the lighter one, yeah, you just have to get used to it. You um, just feel a lot they, shaken sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you naturally, you you just feel like, oh my God, I'm in something that's so delicate that could just like break apart. But in reality, it's actually safer uh, because you can actually maneuver better. Right. So you can actually land in emergency places faster because these jumbo jets, you can't just decide to turn somewhere and land. You have to actually go to a big airport or, or something. But these lighter ones, you can actually, you know, land in many, uh, many more places. So you got to think about that, too. Right. Now you made me feel better about it. <laughs> yeah. You invested all over the world. How different are the rules of investing in other countries compared to U.S.? Yeah. So, for example, I recently started making some investments in Singapore. And I actually did a video about this, too, um, that investing elsewhere sometimes is totally different. Because I'm just used to the American, like Canada and U.S., and it's pretty similar uh, because we're all in the in, in the North America, but once you get out, like in Asia, um, it's totally different. They want even more uh, information from you. So, in order for you to invest, you have to like do lots of kind of uh, KYC, or or you have to they have to make sure you're the person that you are. In the U.S. and Canada, I mean, obviously they go through checking your information, but not as broad and crazy as like Singapore because Singapore is a very um you know heavy on on uh processes and heavy on you know making sure you're fully uh aware of things and how, how much shares and and, and equity and etc so it's totally different in Asia I feel like in in the U.S. it's 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 much I'm not gonna say easier it's just much more streamlined you know over there it's like lots of hurdles you got to present like your bills, your phone bills, like it's a tremendous amount of work to just invest, I feel like. Wow, it does seem like a lot. It, it feels like in the US and Canada, there would be way more restrictions and rules, but actually... No, it's actually, you know, it's, it's much easier because people here always invest into companies, uh, you know, because everybody wants to get into the next pre-IPO or the next, you know, startup that could one day become you know, like a, like a Facebook or Twitter or Snapchat. Uh, so yeah, a lot of people 
willing to write checks more, I feel like, to get into the game or get into owning some of these startups. And have you ever had any losses in your successful career? And how did you deal with it? Yeah, tons of losses, tons. And that's how you learn, right? So I, I have a saying that, that actually is not my saying, but I read it somewhere where uh, if you lose, you don't lose the lesson. So every time I lose on a deal or in the past, I've always learned not to repeat that. Sometimes I do um, do mistakes too, like everyone else, but but it's a learning process. It's like sometimes you invest and you know the person or the company or the CEO or the founder tells you something and then they don't execute on it. They actually look at you as an exit strategy already, which is horrible because when you invest, you want to make money in the company eventually and not lose it. But there's some, you know, some CEOs and companies out there that, you know, I've invested in and a lot of times they don't execute. They don't come through what they say and then you end up losing because they get lazy, right? They don't have the same work ethic as I would or they don't have the same type of principles, right? They just care that, oh, look, I raise a bunch of money. I'm going to try my best. And, and you know what? I try my best. So, so sorry to you, but it kind of sucks because, you know, that's a lesson learned for me that I won't ever invest into these type of companies with, with, with CEOs or founders like that. But you can't tell. They could change like midway, right? Like how can you ever tell? Like someone could be put on a face and say, yeah, I'm going to crush it for you. I'm going to make you tons of money. Just trust me, just invest. And they're passionate. But then in six months, you know, let's say they get some grant from somewhere else uh, or some funding. And then they're like, you know, what? I'm, I'm, I'm just tired. I don't want to do this. I'm getting a, a nice paycheck. I'm just going to take my time. And then the shareholders like myself will suffer for that because they're not as hungry to, to, to make it successful. Yeah, very interesting. And also, I've met so many successful entrepreneurs, and always their answer was that you don't learn. I mean, unless you lose, and like it's always mm-hmm. learn a lesson from losses, and it actually makes you grow. So, yeah. So I have a lot of losses. Um, even when I made my first amount of money, like large amount, uh, I ended up putting that back into a company that totally conned me. You know, so, but I rather that happened to me then, and I learned from that than now, right? So, you know, it hurt, it hurt a lot, but it also made me who I am today. And it makes, it makes me even hungrier that watch, you want to fuck me later on, I'm going to become someone and you're going to be begging to hand me back my money and then some. Yeah. What helped you internally to go through this and kind of, like get over this the faith i had in myself right like again it goes back to the beginning like because i didn't have much you know i look at it as okay if i didn't have much then i could deal with it i've been through worse scenarios in my life where i had zero in the bank so having more than zero was enough for me right and so confidence in myself and obviously uh, just knowing that if I work harder, I'm going to make more money in the future because I'm going to work harder than anybody around me, right? And that's how I look at it. Just as long as you're going to work hard and you know exactly what you want to do later, 
then that's the most important thing, just confidence and faith in yourself. And also, you know, so many people working hard, but they're not getting anywhere. It's like working harder. I mean, working smarter, not harder, because some people just work really, really hard and still don't get any results. But you actually have to look at what, I mean, being busy and being productive are totally different things. So sure. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think, you know, to, to that point is risk, you know, like how much are you willing to risk? Uh, you know, obviously you don't want to risk where you go bankrupt or you can't pay your rent or you can't put food on the table. But I think in the end you have to risk, um, you know, in order to make money, you know? So like people always say, you got to use money to make money, uh, or, or you can't, you can't ever know if you're going to, if you're going to um, make it. But like you said, people work hard, work hard, work hard, but they're not risking. They're just working hard for a paycheck. They're not actually writing a check and saying, okay, I'm going to take this journey with you and take this risk, you know, and they also don't put into, put the work into it. So they could be a passive investor and just say, okay, here, let me write you a check. I'm going to just walk away and make sure you make me lots of money. But in the end, let's just say you write a check and you actually help the company to grow. And then you work out an agreement with the company. You go, look, if I'm able to help you grow it, I want to make more. I want more equity. I want more, you, you know, I want a consulting agreement. So people fail to, to realize that, you know, you could strike deals too, like one-on-one -on -one with companies besides just being an investor. Yeah. Do you believe in crypto? Do you invest in crypto? Do you think it makes sense? Uh, I do. I do. I've been approached by tons of NFT guys to to for me to push out the NFTs. But you know, one thing a lot of people don't understand is like, I'm not on social media to make money. Like, so people are like, why don't you write books or why don't you, you know, do some subscription agreement? Why don't like, I'm not. I don't care about that. I'm just here to educate people from my heart because I've been from zero. So I'm not here to make money from people. So when they offer me all these NFTs, I've been very, you know, I, I'm not in a rush to, to like back anybody. But in terms of the crypto, like the NFT stuff, I kind of, I see the value in certain things. Like, for example, like real estate, like going back to real estate, if you can NFT certain, like your deeds and, and things that could be put on the blockchain that is relevant that could be for title insurance or something that makes sense to me but you know all this artwork this and that it, it's kind of to me it's i'm not gonna say it's fluff but it's not as exciting as actual value of real estate like putting a deed or title in a blockchain that's worth it to me right and that's a company actually that my friend is is also wanting me to invest in too something in that space so crypto yeah maybe that also i have a big funny crypto stories my friend in manhattan had the first meetup for bitcoin this was i don't know when bitcoin was 20 cents or something like 20 to 30 cents he invited me to the meeting and and i went and I'm, i saw all these little geeky nerds and weird people and and not not weird people but just you know, just people with like those conspiracy theories and, and, and tech geeks, you know, and they were so driven by 
Bitcoin. And I, I, just, I just thought this was a Ponzi scheme. I said, this is so stupid. And he would say to me, you lose $10,000, like nothing uh, on an investment or in the stock market. Why don't you just put 10 grand into Bitcoin at like 20 cents or 30 cents? And then I said, I said, no, I don't believe in it. This sounds so stupid, whatever. I, I listened to you, but I'm gone. <laughs> and then had I done that, I mean, it would have been worth, I think, like $2 billion at the height, potentially. So again, I had chances. Uh, I just didn't listen and I didn't put enough time into it. And I was just focused on, on what I wanted to build. But yeah, that's one thing I regret is not putting $10,000 at 20 cents or 30 cents. It was between 20 or 30 cents. I remember clearly. Uh, so that's my story for the crypto. And I never chased it. I never chased Bitcoin. However, I did own some, you know, Bitcoin ATMs. Uh, so I got into that for a little bit, but it, again, it wasn't for me. So I sold them off. Um, and, and yeah, ever since then, I've never really, really invested into crypto besides like stocks, right? Like there's certain stocks that are crypto focused. I might have invested into those, but nothing with, um, with just crypto itself. I see. What a great story. <laughs> yeah. How can we invest like wealthy people for beginners? Oh, how to invest? Yeah, how to invest like wealthy people? Yeah. So I did again. I did another video on how to invest like the rich, and that actually I think went pretty viral. Uh, even went viral on TikTok as well. So because a lot of people just don't have access or knowledge to this stuff, and I'm I'm here to educate people and and give them knowledge just to the everyday person. So one way to invest, I mentioned in my video, is, is a lot of rich, the rich, they invest through brokers or through, um, you know, pre-IPO companies, secondary markets, right? So you could come in and buy the shares from the actual uh, company employees. So these company employees, um, for example, at like Airbnb, they've worked, let's say, you know, five, seven years, maybe uh, building this company and they have all, all this equity, but they don't have any liquidity because they didn't go public yet. And they're still getting paid a good salary, but nothing in the millions, right? So the, all these employees are, are um, rich in equity, but they don't have liquidity. And a lot of these funds or these limited partnerships or some of these pre-IPO companies that's specialize in this you go to them and you open an account and you say i want to buy spacex um you know do you have it but you you have to go out your way to find these companies or what happens is some of these brokers they actually have a portfolio they said we're selling you um palantir we're selling you airbnb we're selling you uh snapchat where so you can actually pick from a, a bunch of these startups that we eventually go public but you just don't know when so you, you, you're going to have to hold on for like at least five years um, or more sometimes. You know, sometimes it's faster. Maybe you get lucky. You get in just before it goes public. But you're stuck in there until they, there's a liquidity event. And obviously, you're buying these shares from shareholders um, and, company, and current company employees at a discounted rate uh, besides them going public.
right? So you're, you just have to ride the wave. So that's the way how the rich invest, right? Like if you got into, um, you know, Airbnb at, at, for example, a 5 billion valuation or 8 billion valuation, when they were doing this type of fundraising from employees, well, Airbnb is now over 100 billion, right? So you, you do the math. Now you're making 20x. You're making, you know, um, 1,000% your money. So you will never make that with real estate. You will never make that in, other, in any asset class besides equities and going public. I mean, unless you get lucky and you actually hit an oil well or something. But the best way to, to generate wealth is investing but again you don't have control over that so you're believing in that company for the future hmm. very interesting yeah so many people are afraid to invest because they're not educated enough in this field. Mm -hmm. so i'm glad you actually share your wisdom yeah. yeah yes and again i'm from nothing i'm just i'm an average show i'm a kid from the streets in new york city so i know exactly what everybody feels like because i've been there and i haven't been there that long ago too so it's still fresh in my head right how can we keep our emotions from clouding our judgment while investing in anything i think emotions and like you said judgment obviously one example for emotional and judgment investment would be let's just say you invest in a military tech company or a weapons company and you know that those weapons can actually hurt people, right? And even kill people. Now, you know you'll be able to make lots of money in it, but that's something more of a, I guess, ethical question, right? So that's, there's emotions, there's judgments in that. But in the end, is making money worth that? Can you sleep at night? Uh, and then that's just one example of that, of the emotional and judgment side and the principal side. Now, the other one for the emotional side is uh, you want to invest in things that that you believe in too, right? Like that, you that you're passionate about. You don't want to just throw your money away and hope for the best. Like if you know nothing about, for example, uh, a lot of uranium stocks recently have been going up because of the green energy movement and also the war happening, right, in Ukraine and Russia. So... You know, and in, in, in that situation, you don't know enough about uranium sometimes. You're just like reading some articles or some information and, um, and, and you know, doing that is not good enough for uh, to just invest because you know nothing about it. So you're not passionate about it. Such a great point. Yeah. Should young entrepreneurs go to college? Okay instead of investing time and money in their ideas and become yeah. entrepreneurs? Yes. I, I, I think I mentioned this briefly before too. It's case by case. So, you know, the richest people in the world, you know, never went to college or their college dropout. So, but are they, are they not smart? No, they're brilliant people. It's just, it's, it's about opportunity costs, I feel like. So, if you want, you need to spend four years to complete college or four years in building a company that you think is going somewhere and, you, and you're so passionate about, then it just depends the, like how dynamic you are 
with um with 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 being involved in this right and how passionate you are about your startup or your business or this idea you have and and you have to see if the opportunity cost is you growing a company in four years to millions of dollars or you finishing school and getting that diploma because there's also different factors like family factors like for example I finished college, but I didn't really want to. I just wanted to make money, but I'm actually happy I finished uh, because it was really more for my parents because my parents immigrated from China and and I felt like it'll be a disservice to them if I didn't even get my bachelor's degree. I would feel like horrible that they sacrifice their lives and, and everything for their kids. And then you come here and you don't even give them you know, that. So it was really more for my parents that I got the degree than it was for me because I knew I was going to work hard and I was going to bust my ass and, 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 and do whatever it takes to become successful. But, you know, I, but I still worked at the same time. So I worked full time and I went to school full time. You know, I did, too. And I kind of did it for my parents, too, because I came to U.S. when I was 17. So I had to quit college in Ukraine and come here and my parents were like well you have to finish school you have to go to school i kind of did it for them and i wish oh so we're in the same situation yeah and but also i spent almost nine years in project management and it project management Mm. so i did Mm. even work it i never i never put you on it by the way (laughs) i know i don't look like it girl I mean, you you can. I, I don't I don't ever judge people, but you know, just from seeing your personality, your closet, like all of that stuff, I'd never put you as an IT person. Yeah, so, so that wasn't even yeah. my passion in life. I did it because I was there. You go, there but, you go. And now you found your passion, which is great. Yeah. You know. Yeah, but I did it mostly for my parents, and then in 2017, I finally decided to just build my own brand. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. amazing amazing and it was reversed with me i always was kind of quiet behind the scenes in, in investing and and just but a lot of people in my circle my friends or, or like people like companies i've invested in they all knew who i was i just never kind of came to the front until i guess the recent few years and i think now that I've kind of come out, it's, it, you know, people are, are like gravitating towards me because this is what I've been doing for many years. And now I'm just more of a public figure about it. That's amazing. And do you offer coaching calls like or one-on-one coaching or do you have any? Um, online? No, you see, that's, <laughs> no, that, you see, so that's, the, that's the issue again. <laughs> Yeah, not exactly. Like, like I know I could um, build millionaires because because I've been there, so I know how to build millionaires, right? From from, but they also have to be the right person, and and they have the right the right outlook in life. They have the right energy, but yeah, I have that wealth of knowledge, and that's why I'm here. I'm here to create content and to educate people and um and that's why i launched two shows recently uh one is the capital market show with me and that's more like what i mentioned pre-ipo companies who are going to eventually list on wall street 
And, you know, it's a great name because that's the capital markets, Wall Street. And, um, and there's tons of these companies I know already. So it's going to be easy for me to, to actually, um, you know, interview these companies and maybe I'll invest in some of them too, that, that I like. Uh, and then my second show, the line of all, which is again, just me, uh, it's just like a shark tank type of show. Like people come to me and, um, and if I want to invest, then, then I'll invest. So I'm going to create this kind of shark tank feel to the show and maybe you could even recommend some people or, or maybe if you have a startup i have come, yeah you so yeah you come to new york to times square to my office and you pitch me and maybe i'll invest you know maybe this lion right here will come at you and eat you you know <laughs> <laughs> and where can we find your shows which channels and where we can find you yeah i mean it's just it's it's again me, um, my brand is across all the social media, which is the line of NYC. Uh, people look me up, which is JU, and five letters, easy, right? J Y Y U, um, nothing hard about it. And then my shows, again, are just the Capital Market Show and the Lion of NYC Show. Very simple. You know, everything crosses over, everything's easy. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Jay, for being my guest. No problem. Thank you for having me. Thank you. That was all for today, guys. I hope you really enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Not Basic Blonde podcast is available on all the major platforms with new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. To support the show, tag NBB podcast on your Instagram stories and check out more behind the scenes on Instagram as well at notbasicblonde underscore or NBB podcast. And if you haven't, Subscribe, rate, and review Not Basic Blonde Podcast on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much, guys. Have a great day. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.